Good evening, everybody. It's time to begin our service this evening. Tonight we'll have uh, it's technically two songs, and then David will have our announcements. Uh, three more songs, and Chris will have our devotional this evening. I will warn everybody, the first two songs I don't have a break between, so I'm just going to go right into the next one. Our first song is number 842. If you would, let's stand for this song, please. 842, A Common Love. A common Good evening, church family. A couple of announcements before we have our devotional. Um, remember to keep the Spence and Cooper family in your prayers, the passing of Sue Spence. Uh, she passed away last week. The visitation and funeral will be held at Hall's Funeral Home this Friday, uh, starting at 2 o'clock. So remember that family in your prayers. Um, in case you haven't heard, Vicki Bowen uh, was... Um, sent to St. Mary's on Monday. Uh, she had a stroke, and um, she is showing some improvements, um, showing minor side effects from the stroke, but uh, she still remains at St. Mary's. And uh, Scott Bowen wanted to thank everybody for the prayers and the concerns for his mother. So remember to continue to keep her in your prayers. Remember to continue to keep Kelly Williams in your prayers at this time as well. Um, also, Portia Davis's mother is now at home and doing betters. Remember to continue to pray for her. She recovers from heart procedure. Uh, Tony Blake has asked for prayers for himself and also his wife, Janice. Uh, they both have COVID at this time, so remember to keep them and the children in their prayers as uh, they recover from COVID. Also, prayers are needed for the Black family, uh, the parents of Tony and Heather Black. Uh, they lost their 11-year-old son from a, a severe form of epilepsy. Um, 
to yesterday. So remember to keep that family in your prayers. Uh, I know they greatly appreciate it. Also, remember to continue to keep my brother in your prayers as he's continuing with COVID. Also, uh, Dottie Hager wants to thank everybody for their prayers uh, for her granddaughter, uh, Emma. Everyone is doing fine. Co there's no co uh, COVID right now. So remember to keep um, everybody in that family in your prayers. That's all the announcements I have. Um, no, I have one more. I'm sorry. I need um, a third and fourth grade teacher this evening. I know it's last minute, um, but uh, the um, huh? Okay, I've got somebody. Thank you. <laughs> I don't have any teacher's material or anything. Um, Cheryl has all that, so thank you, thank you, thank you. Whew. I hated asking that. That was dreading. That's the reason I was saving it for last. Um, but uh, that's all the announcements I have. Um, let's go to God in prayer at this time. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so thankful and blessed to be able to be here this evening, Lord, to learn more about you and your word. Lord, we ask you that you be with us and watch over us, Lord, as we're in our classes this evening, Lord, that we will be able to take away take away something that we'll be able to apply to our lives, to be able to share it with others. That way your light shines always, Lord. Lord, let us always continue, even when things seem to be going good, that we still have our minds and hearts focused on you, Lord. That there's never a distraction from you, Lord, that we will always praise you and look for strength and guidance from you, Lord. Lord, we ask you this time to continue to be with the families who have recently lost loved ones, um, be with the black family at this time, Lord, and continue to be with the Cooper family at this time and the Pittman family, Lord. Just continue to be with them, comfort them, Lord. Lord, continue to be with our sick, the ones who are dealing with cancer. Be with Kelly and Rusty and Kristen as they deal with cancer and their chemo treatments, Lord. Just be with them and be with the doctors and, and the family this time, Lord. Lord, continue to be with our youth. Let us help them to use your word to guide and direct them in their everyday life, Lord. That they will stay focused on you in their everyday lives. Lord, continue to be with us as a church congregation. Let us continue on growing spiritually in you, Lord, and, and continue on growing in our own prayer lives, Lord. Forgive us, Lord, when we do fall short. In Jesus Christ's name we do pray. Amen. i got to get set up for five. <laughs> Our next song this evening is number 851, 851, Blue Skies and Rainbows. Blue skies and rainbows and sunbeams from heaven are what I can see. When my Lord is living in me, I know that Jesus is well and
next song is number 421 421 love lifted me
Our next song is going to be number 694, 694 to Canaan's Land, I'm On My Way. If you would, let's stand for this song, please. We need to work on that air conditioner in here. To Canaan's land I'm on my way where the soul never die. My darkest night will turn to day where the soul never die. No sad, no word, no tears in Our song of invitation is number 61. Are you coming to Jesus tonight? Good evening. Turn over to uh, Isaiah chapter 59. There's something interesting uh, I think you need to see here in Isaiah 59. It's a theme throughout all of Scripture, really. You see it clearly here in Isaiah 59, and then we'll talk about some stories that you're familiar with that illustrate this point pretty clearly. Isaiah 59, I've used this verse for years uh, as I've uh, studied the Bible with folks. This is uh, sometimes one of the verses that I start off with. I love this verse because it shows uh, that there's nowhere you can be that God cannot get you. Um, there's, there's nothing that you could have done. There's nothing that you could have thought uh, there's nothing bad enough that you could have done that would have uh, it can stop God from saving you. But the responsibility is on your shoulders. You need to move. God's not going to move. Uh, he's already moved. He sent Jesus to die for us. He's already made the first step. Now it's our responsibility to come toward him. Isaiah 59 verses 1 and 2, he says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save or his ear dull that it cannot hear. He's saying that it's not God's fault. It's not a lack of strength or power or proximity on God's part that you're not saved. Israel in Isaiah's day is struggling. They are immoral and idolatrous. And the end 
is quickly coming for them. Judgment is hurtling towards them. And they have been told time and time again. And God has attempted to put things in their path as punishments that will bring them back to him. And nothing is working. And Isaiah is saying it's not. The judgment that's coming in your, in your condemnation is not God's fault. It's not that he, uh, he can't. It's not that you're too far away that he can't reach you or that he's not powerful enough to save you. Well, if it's not his fault, then whose is it? It's our fault. Verse 2. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. And in Isaiah, throughout the book of Isaiah, he makes the promise that God will not hear their prayers anymore. Their worship is useless. Their prayers are futile. God's not listening anymore. Throughout Scripture, you find this transcendent God who cannot be part of sin, who cannot have relationship, who cannot be intimate with sin. He can't do it. He's, he's too holy. He's too pure. And to be in relationship with one who is sinful, one who is rebellious, uh, would speak against his character, I suppose. And so, at the very outset... In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve enjoy intimacy, enjoy this relationship with God that is incredible, unheard of. It would be difficult for us to put words to the type of relationship that they enjoyed. I don't know that we could wrap our minds around it. Genesis, Moses tells us that they walked together at the cool of Eve and God would speak with them like friends speak. But then they chose themselves over him, and he forced them away. There's this idea throughout Scripture of God forcing people away, of keeping sin at bay, of not being close to it. He always wants to keep it beyond arm's length. And in fact, he even sets a cherubim at the entrance to the Garden of Eden, to protect it so they cannot come back inside. And so throughout Scripture, you see God keeping man at a distance. In fact, if you study the temple and the tabernacle, its predecessor, you'll find these thick drapes that divide the holy place, which is where the priests could go, uh, and the most holy place, which is only where only one man could go, only the high priest could go there, and only one time a year on the Day of Atonement, he could go into the most holy place, and there he would uh, sprinkle blood toward the, the, uh, the uh, Ark of the Covenant. On top, uh, on top of the Ark of the Covenant are these two cherubims, and their wings are meeting in the middle, and God's presence rests in between those two wings. And so this place is the most holy place. It's, that's its name, but it's also its, its right. It, it's, it, that's what it is. It is the most holy place on, on earth because God's presence lives there. And so it has to be pure. It has to be clean. And if you're not clean, when you enter that place, God can strike you dead. There are drapes. Are there were drapes in the tabernacle and then later in the temple that separated the most holy place from the holy place? These, these drapes are thick. These curtains, they're, 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 they're deep. Um, 
outside of the tabernacle, there are layer upon layer upon layer of skins, animal skins. And all of this, as well as the gold plating and the, the expensive um, things that the temp- temple and, and the tabernacle were made out of, all these things are God's way of shielding unrighteous people from a righteous God. Because if unrighteous people meet a righteous God, his glory, his, his transcendence, I suppose, would, would wipe us out of existence. And so throughout Scripture, you find things like that where God says, I can't be a part of sinful people, people who are in rebellion. I, I can't, I, that has to be at arm's length. But also on the other edge of that coin, you see man keeping God at a distance. Who was the first one that fled in the Garden of Eden? It wasn't God, was it? Adam and Eve hid themselves. They withdrew from God before he withdrew from them, didn't they? If you remember what happens at Mount Sinai as Moses is giving the Ten Commandments and the law to the burgeoning nation of Israel, God's presence comes and he rests on top of the mountain. And there's this incredible thunderstorm and there's lightnings, and there's thunder, and the, the mountain is shaking. And the people have already been told, if you go and you touch the mountain, you're going to die. And so the, the people are, are terrified. And God's speaking to them, but they, they can't, don't want to hear His voice. And so they need an intermediary. They need a, a mediator. And so they ask for Moses to go in between them and God, and he is to go up to the mountain, meet with God, and bring back God's laws to the people. So Moses does that. But the people are withdrawing away from God, aren't they? You see that throughout Scripture. You see it here in Isaiah, uh, throughout all the prophets, people pulling back away from, from God. But also God pulling back away from sinful, rebellious people. It's a two-way street, I suppose. What is really interesting is nothing changes all the way up until Luke. If you grab your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 1. Let me remind you of a, a man's story that I know you're familiar with. His name's Zechariah. He is John the Baptist's dad. It's one of those uh, incidences where you might not know the dad, but you know the son. And so... You know John the Baptist, and you might be familiar with his dad's story. His dad is a Levite. John is a Levite. And it happens on this particular day that the lot fell to a man named Zechariah. His job now on this particular day is the most honored job of that day. He is going to go into the holy place, and it's his job to offer incense on the altar. And so... He goes in, and there he's going to have a meeting with an angel of the Lord. Look what he says here in Luke chapter 1, verse 12. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. That word troubled, it's the exact same word that Jesus uses in the Garden of Gethsemane as he's looking toward the cross. It's the exact same word that the apostles use when, or Jesus uses about the apostles John uses, excuse me, about the apostles when they are contemplating life without him in John 14. 
They are deeply grieved. They're troubled. They're afraid. They're terrified. And that is what Zechariah is doing here. And he's, he's terrified because he's meeting with God. A similar incident happened to Isaiah himself back in Isaiah chapter 6, doesn't it? And he too is terrified because he's in the presence of the Holy One. The amazing thing is, after the cross, everything changes. Isn't that incredible? After the cross, everything changes. It's not a coincidence that those big, thick drapes that separated the most holy place from the holy place, they were torn. At the moment of Jesus' death, they were torn, and giving, signifying entrance to, for everyone to God. And that, that's the possibility that we have. Flip over to Hebrews. We're starting the study of Hebrews this, uh, this coming Sunday. We're just going to kind of walk through it like we did with Mark. I've missed that, that style of teaching. Uh, so I hope that will be beneficial for you as well as it uh, will be for me. But we're starting in Hebrews um, this Sunday. And this, this thought's been on my mind since I've been thinking about how we're going to introduce this incredible book. This idea of God being close to each one of us is not something we ought to take for granted. It's not something everyone's always had, is it? But it's something that the church is guaranteed, we're granted this responsibility and this obligation and this wonder of being able to be close to him. Listen to what he says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. The Hebrew writer says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. He says, you can be excited about it. You can with confidence come to God that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Paul would say in Acts chapter 17, when he's teaching those who are listening there on that day, that God is not far from each one of you. He's not far from us. In the church, we have this incredible blessing of no shield. Normally you think of it being a good thing to have a shield, but this is a relationship that you don't want shielded. This is something you want to have complete entrance into, this relationship with God, this intimacy that has been shielded from mankind since Adam and Eve's sin in the Garden of Eden is reunited with mankind in the church. That's an incredible thing that we've been gifted. We should never take it for granted. Tonight we get to study his word. We get to pray. We get to sing some more as we enter into his presence. What an incredible blessing it is to be able to draw near to him in the hopes that we receive mercy and grace. But again, it's only a responsibility. It's only an obligation. It's only a blessing to the church. And so how, how do you get inside the church? Well, you've got to be inside of Jesus to be inside the church. And you get inside of Jesus through the power of his blood, being baptized into him. You have your sins washed away, and you become a part of his church, his body, his, his family. Maybe you've already made that decision tonight, and you just need the prayers of this congregation to be able to draw near to him. 
in the hopes of receiving mercy and grace. He's the only one who dispenses those things. And if you've looked around our world recently, you know that our world is in desperate need, and each one of us are in desperate need of mercy and grace. And so he's the only one who offers that. And so if you're looking for that tonight, pleading for that tonight, he can give it to you tonight. If you have any need, won't you come as we stand and sing? The Savior says, Come, the cross where he died is inside. Please pray with me. Dear God, thank you for this day and everything you've given us, and thank you for Chris's lesson that he told today, and help it apply it to our lives, and go out and spread your word, and please help us go out to school and our jobs, and whatever we do, and spread your light, and spread God's word, and thank you for all the blessings that we have. Please be with our world, and help everything know that you're handling it, and Thank you for Jesus on the cross to forgive us of our sins. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.